Welcome to First and Fifteen, the show that takes you around the UK flag football scene. Sponsored by Nuola, your customised sportswear supplier. We're back with another episode of First and Fifteen. It feels like a long time since I've said that. And today we are returning the tables and we're going to have Andrew Gamble as our guest for Ultimate Teammates. Andrew, how are you doing today? Very well, thank you, sir. How about yourself? Oh, it's a it's a busy time, but no flag football busy. It's it's weird. Yeah, yeah. Unbusy busyness. Yeah. It's. I mean, first of all, I have to give a massive amount of credit to the the guys that run the other podcast, the the way we HNC it, who have not only managed to pretty I think they do an episode almost every single week, but they've they've now found like the Guernsey Flag Football League. <laughs> I've heard that, yeah. They're good. I like it a lot actually. It's a uh, good fun. And and I, I, so I had a quick bit of research because this has come up a few times now. Where where is Guernsey? Uh, what part of uh, what who are they owned by? Oh it's off the French coast, isn't it? But it's ours. <clears throat> Am I correct? Appar- apparently there's little bits of Guernsey which are owned by or that are British and little bits of Guernsey that aren't British. Oh, okay. So, uh, so this is where we said we weren't too sure if they came under BAFA registration, or was it? <laughs> were, were they were they gaffer? Were they? <laughs> I like that one. That'll be the new one we're going to come up with now. So let, let's move on to your team. You've you've got a long time of playing. That I think. How, how long have you been playing? Whoa. Yes, that should have prepared that one. Many, many years. Um, star, oh, <laughs> retired in twenty. Retired in twenty fourteen, I think. Does that that sound about right? No. Five hundred thirty six years, I think, in total. If you ask my knees, that's the case. Anyway, certainly my left knee. Um, oh gosh, that that's that's an incredibly difficult question. Can we have an easier one, please? I said that the, it's the, the, you started off with kitted and then went into the flag side. Is that, are you trying to work out your entire football career or just your flag career or any of the career? Thing is, there was a, uh, there was a brief period with the Leamington Spartans. Um, that was in the 80s when I was 18. And that was tackle football. But because we didn't have kit, it, it was... Um, it was, yeah, kind of uh, NFL-type rules because uh, Baffa and Baffa didn't exist back then. Um, but that was, yeah, I was 18. So that was, a, I did a, about 18 months of that. Then took a long time off. Um, and then when I came back, it was with, oh, my first team was Coventry. Um, not the Jets. They weren't the Jets by then. Um, but three, basically three years of tackle from about, Bears? no, my no. jumping head in your career, the Warwickshire Bears were, were just before that. So yeah, about three years. And that would be in around about 1994 for three years. Then, yeah, that was it. Every time I joined a team, they folded. I think it's just a coincidence. I was the common denominator. Um, cause I went from actually there was four teams actually. Um, so Coventry Jaguars, yes, then Stratford Tempest, then Leicester 
Panthers, then Leicester Huntsman, um, and they all folded. Uh, one actually folded before a, a game even played. The Panthers, it was I was going to play for the B team. I certainly wasn't going to be able to um, uh, play with the, with the um, with the A team. The Panthers were very, very, very good at that point. Um, yeah, and then it was the so, and then it was uh, Leicester Eagles after that, and then Coventry Jets, and then nothing. Um, so. 93, say-ish, 94 to, and I can't remember when I retired. So when you said 93 then, I thought you meant 93 years, I'm thinking. It it possibly could be, it possibly could be, it certainly feels that at some point. You got half a Potter in that. (laughs) So unfortunately, Pod can't be with us today, I I got a phone call from a minute ago, he was, I think he's on his way to Manchester to do some deliveries and I don't oh, know. Sorry to hear that. What, because he's going to Manchester or is he yeah. not available? Yeah. Well, <laughs> lovely town, lovely city, Manchester. I mean, just uh, sorry to hear that you can't make it. So let's move on to your team then. And we're going to start with offence. Okay. And have you got a, who's your centre for today? My centre? Ah, okay. That's an easy one. That's a, start with Luke Gambrell. Um, that was an easy one. Um, I, I think I've mentioned this a few times before, but um, I'm just going to turn Facebook off because uh, it stopped the beeps coming through. Hopefully, probably won't actually. Um, yeah, uh, Luke Gambrell, obviously my son uh, and heir. Uh, it's uh, well fantastic just to be able to. Uh, you know, when 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 your son follows in your footsteps, and then with leaps and bounds and a few side shuffles and shimmies, uh, you know, goes and forges his own path in a game um, to become ten times the player I was um, at least by by the time he was nine. Um, so um, yeah, and then but to be able to play on the same field as him. Obviously, I coached him for quite a long time, which was fantastic winning some national championships. But um, yeah, just being able to um, uh, you know play alongside him uh, was incredible. And I still remember actually on my in one of my in my retirement game, there was a moment where I was related to everybody on the on the field. I think uh, um, so that that was a, that was also kind of a, a quite a magical moment. But yeah, it's irreplaceable, and there's obviously. Um, no way you could uh, replicate something like that. So, um, but yeah, I think fantastic player as well. So, obviously, there's the emotional side, but equally, I think I think we've all seen that video, and I think you've referenced it in the past, uh, where uh, he does a little delayed release, kind of a <clears throat> almost in a, in, in a running back style, um, a little uh, screen pass, um, takes the ball at five yards, and uh, kind of beats everybody at least twice. Uh, for an incredible touchdown, which is uh, so that's why I put him at center because, uh, in my view, and I know this has been covered before, the the center position, the the running back position, I wouldn't say is is necessarily dead, but the center position is is the kind of thing that that late release um, it can be used more as a running back. That's how I would certainly use uh, certainly use it from a spread. Is the center is akin to a running back from the old old days, um, which I know is really weird for someone who used to run a three running back set uh, when we first started out. I do remember the wishbone offense. 
it, it was a great thing to, especially as a quarterback, just kind of stand there and go, which one are we going for today? Uh, going to go one, two, three, four, and then we're... Indeed, incredibly effective, incredibly effective. Uh, used it to win, you know, it was one of the, it was probably one of the key uh, formations winning the European Championships with Great Britain. It was uh, key to many of our Leicester Eagles victories. Probably, well, probably wouldn't work these days. I would love to have a, a, a game where I tested it out again just to see, but the, the straight kind of the four base plays that we run out of it, um, a, a sensible uh, center or a sensible linebacker would just um, make a mess of it really quickly. But um, in the uh, early days of football, it was quite innovative and uh, it, it, it puzzled a lot of people. But once you got, once they figured it out, they, the um, defense could destroy it quite quickly. Um, but yeah, time to move on. Speaking of moving on, you're going to go back, you've got your, your quarterback now. Who are we going for? My quarterback is... Um, Lil Bush, <clears throat> um, Great Britain, um, at tackle mostly known for a tackle f- football, um, but um, uh, she uh, had the great pleasure, immense pleasure uh, of having her on with the Black Widows last season. I say last season, which feels, which is over 18 months ago now. Um, and you know, incredible player, but I think you know this is a teammates thing, and and uh, one of the things that it was, she was just great fun to be around. So much energy, um, and just and, and really quite a wacky sense of humour. Um, and but you know some of the conversations I would have her were, were, were hilarious, from the profound to the from the sublime to the ridiculous. Uh, it, it, within a, a short walk, uh, I still remember going from one pitch to another. We were talking. I was. I'm a vegetarian now, and I was just starting to kind of uh, discover discover it. And um, and she, uh, and uh, she's a vegetarian herself, I believe. Um, and she was. We were discussing it, and and halfway across the, <laughs> across the field as we were going to the next game, she said, "Of course, you can still eat people," um, which obviously made me miss a step. Um, and then she's, but it, she managed to make sense of it by saying it's by consent. If someone tells you. You know, a, a, an animal is not unable to tell you, give you consent to eat them. A person could. Um, and we kind of went through these very bizarre scenarios where that would be, that would, could happen and possibly has happened in the past, maybe. Um, but yes, yeah, uh, yes. So, yes, um, you can eat people as vegetarians. So that was, a, you know, that gives you hope. If that, <laughs> I do, I do miss the taste of meat sometimes. So uh, maybe Marcus would. We've we've known each other for a long time. I don't know if uh, if you you don't use that bicep much. So uh, if if you wanted to put that on the in the frying pan, no. Um, not the way I, I saw this conversation going. Well, that is that is very typical of a conversation with Lil Bush. So um, uh, you know, she uh, it's just a terrific. So you know, those, those are the kind of things that on those long winter nights in. Uh, uh, playing flag flag football or coaching flag football um, that, that keep you keep you <laughs> keep you on your toes. I mean, the other thing is, um, if anyone's ever seen her Instagram, uh, there's some hilarious stuff. Obviously, there's a lot of her working out in the gym. She's uh, incredibly hard work in the gym. But there's this wacky one where she's doing some kind of Monty Python esque dance in the middle of B and M. All I can say, which isn't which isn't great podcast uh, <laughs> content, but um, I, I would implore you, Marcus, to um, add that to any of the adverts you show. I can send you the link. It's hilarious. I find it hilarious. 
Uh, it's probably one of my, my most watched videos. It's just this uh, <laughs> buffoonery in, uh, in B&M. So, yeah, Lil Bush. <clears throat> she can throw the football really well as well. <laughs> but, you know, this is about teammates. Um, teammates for me are the people who kind of get you through those through the games. So often you're having to travel with them or spend spend long, <laughs> many many hours on the si- on the sideline with them. So uh, it's when they're fun that it makes it easier. I mean, me and, me and Pod have mentioned this a few times. It's it's not always about the having the the best athletes on your team. You could have a team of the greatest flag football players ever. But would you want to sit on, like you just said, on, like on a minibus on the way home? Would you want to spend like a six-hour drive with them? Exactly. And, you know, a lot of time we've been very lucky, especially me and Pod. We, we've the players we played alongside have been sort of a mixture of the, the the two, and that's absolute dream when it comes to say like the the sidelines and the the journeys and things. But this this is your team. There are. Limited rules, we'll go with, we'll say limited rules. <laughs> so you've got three offensive positions for left. Who are we going to put out as your, I'm gonna, are you going to go for two wide receivers? Sure, yeah, yeah, whichever. Um, you want to go three wide... running backs? <laughs> There's a throwback, maybe. Actually, I've got one of them in my team, but that's coming back. Actually, no, Luke played, obviously. Luke played uh uh, in it, uh, and so did uh, one of the others, I think. Yeah, one so of the others. So let's go for your first wide receiver. Who we got? <clears throat> Amy Wells. Um, Amy Wells, uh, currently of Coventry Cougars, um, first started with Hallam. Um, I got to know her really well through GB. Um, I think um, uh, she, she was, I mean, again, a fabulous, fabulous footballer, um, worked hard at her craft, and you know, she she worked hard every down. Um, I think the thing the most I enjoyed about her company was the banter. Um, you know, I was trying to be GB coach and we were always setting standards about sort of uh, code of ethics, code of behavior. And, you know, I was never one who approved of, of banter necessarily um, at the level of GB, you know, and there's, of course, there are levels of banter, but equally, as you well know, as from um, my days on nine and nine flag football as a defensive back, I did like to be quite talkative. Um, and Amy was able to kind of bait the hook when I was head coach, and uh, uh, you know, get me get me involved in banter. And I really tried to resist, but she was just a elite level kind of banter. So, um, um, but the other, I think the thing the thing that strikes <laughs> I remember of Amy. Well, one of the things I've got many uh, good memories of Amy Wells. Um, it, again, we were talking about the ethics of football. It was a team meeting. We were talking about the ethics and the way we behave on the football field. Um, and, you know, respect referees, respect opponents. Um, if there's a dubious call or, you know, you just walk away, let the referees and the coaches sort it out. If there's a, if a player's giving you, uh, you know, if an opponent is, is, is crossing the line, uh, walk away, talk to, you know, to tell your captain, tell the coaches and they'll deal with it. Um, but Amy, is, uh, her background before she came to flag football was um, was soccer. Uh, played for Nottingham, uh, played for quite a few um, uh, teams. I think she was Nottingham actually, Nottingham Forest. Um, and her question in the middle of a, a GB team meeting was, so if there's a fight starts, 
you're expecting me to walk away or can I can I join in and and, and support my teammate um and that was obviously a, there was a deathly silence that came over the room because again we, this was a kind of a culture clash between flag football uh and 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 footy um obviously footy has got a, a little bit more of a a, a robust uh, reputation when it comes to that kind of thing and yeah there's in I think in footy there is that kind of you don't let your mate get you know go single-handedly into a fight if someone starts you get you back them up and obviously in flag football certainly in my experience and certainly in in the Opal series and in international football there was never anything like that um, but it was just uh, the, the whole room would obviously a lot of the experienced players knew that the general idea was to walk away let the referees let the coaches sort it out but uh, you know Amy's question really stumped everyone, but um, uh, yeah, so that, but she grew into it and I still remember, I've never seen a touchdown mean more to somebody than Amy scoring her first TD for Great Britain. Um, she came off the field and uh, the mixture of emotion, pride, um, kind of a, a, a raw anger because, you know, it's an important touchdown as well, um, but it, it meant so much to her and I was very proud of her for that moment and proud for her um that um she could have that moment but um so yeah so she's she's got your back as well if <laughs> if it does kick off um but hopefully that was well never was the case but you never know but yeah amy wells is in my as uh isn't one of my well i actually put her as a slot she's she's uh as you can get gather she's a, a a tough cookie so who's going on the uh, the other wide receiver side then um I'm going to go with, uh, <laughs> let me have a look down this list. Where can we put these two? Um, oh, actually, um, it's going to be uh, April Mailing. Um, I, I know her as April Heath. Um, uh, April was an incredible footballer again. I mean, the, uh, you know, whilst I'm making it about uh, teammates, uh, about uh, it is you know she was a great teammate um she played a lot on elite women uh the elite women program um she was also uh, gb um just a, a wonderful human being a kind of i've been a bit corny there but she what she really was um just always the talkative one um was always the one to open a conversation you know when sticking with the black widows when you've got a lot of people who don't know each other she was the one that would be the first to talk to other people she would always be the one that's conscious of a newbie in the room and would make sure that she, they included them in the in the um uh, in the conversations but i think the story behind for april for me was um she'd always had some uh, uh, some some issues with illness and um but they often thought that she had um, um, uh, some some allergies or, or intolerances. Um, but you know, even despite so, but but it, what it turned out to be that we, it, it turned out to be quite a lot more serious. Um, and we were always in touch after you know a while. And um, and then she was saying, "Oh, you know, I've been feeling really lethargic, really dizzy, and uh, I'm going to go um, and." Uh, speak to my GP they thought it was labyrinthitis uh, in, in her ear infection um, but you know it still didn't feel right she was still feeling uh, really unwell um, and, and you know then you know she started getting more and more seriously ill um, and then um, you know she was in you know she was admitted to the hospital um, and they still didn't really know what it was 
um, uh, and she and basically, could, you know, cutting the long story shorter, she'd had a, a tumor in her stomach, uh, four centimeters, and it would because it was well hidden. And and you know, as as a you know, as a coach, you know, I'd known her for, for this time. It's kind of like one of those things you, you always you're generally older than your players, and you kind of always expect that you know. Um, that you know you're you're gonna uh, be the one that's going to be <laughs> that seriously ill before at first. Um, the tumor burst. You had some severe uh, blood loss. Um, um, but you know, I just remember those times, and we we stayed in touch over over during Facebook, which is you know the mo- miracles of modern technology. Yeah, you know, she she lived uh, around in the east coast, sort of Cambridge, Cheltenham area. Um, but, you know, I was talking and, and, it, and I got so caught up in it. It was such an emotional time. I was so worried about her. Um, and, um, you know, this is the kind of the coach player bond that you get with all the players. And it's only kind of really kind of uh, brought into focus when um, people become so unwell and you start going to some really um, worried places. Um, the good news is. Um, obviously, uh, she she did make her full recovery. Um, when I say full recovery, she's still recovering now. It's still, um, um, you know, she's still on that road um, even now. But this was uh, four or five years ago now, I think. Uh, she she will uh, correct me, I'm sure, ten minutes after this uh, podcast goes out. Um, but yeah, I think I think that it just brings into focus sort of the relationship you do have with these people. It always feels a bit transient that you you only see them at practice, and once they've left the team, you don't stay in contact and that. But um, um, you know, when she was so very very ill, um, you know, I lost a fair few hours of sleep. Um, but um, you know, um, all's well that ends well, as Mr. Shakespeare would say, and. Um, yeah, and she's still in my life, and she's still irritating and annoying and uh, fun. And uh, check out her photos on Facebook because every other one is where she's gurning. Um, but um, yeah, April Heath, fantastic wide receiver as well. So we've got your final offensive position. Uh, who's going for that, and what sort of position are you putting them in? Uh, do you know what? I'm going to go. I'm just going to put him on the field, and it's going to be Shadrach McCook. Um, I mean, yes, yeah. I mean, he's still, he's still, uh, you know, he, he, he's uh, obviously he's the dad of um, my nephew. Is that correct? Or he's my great nephew? That's right. Um, um, but you know, he stayed a, a close family friend uh, for, for all of us. Um, but a wonderful player, as I'm sure he's been spoken about many, many times. Um, my favourite moments was, um, I say favourite, um, sorry, Shad. It's a, I, if I remember rightly, he's been ejected three times or should have been or close to it or careful game management has stopped him from being ejected uh, three times. Um, and it's the, the, the flip side of Shad. I mean, we've always say what, what wonderful player he is. And um, we do joke about this. He denies uh, he, he pleads innocent to all three of them. Um, I think you you were probably there for a lot of them. One, I think my uh, in reverse order. I think one where he stepped out of out of bounds and completely lost it. We, we were blowing out Cardiff when Cardiff were not the greatest sides. Obviously, that wouldn't be the case these days. Um, he stepped out of bounds, 
and and completely lost the plot. We were like, it was like we were fifty points up, and he he had stepped out of bounds. He was right near me. The guy ruled it out, and he completely lost the plot. Um, it was just bizarre. I think the the the, the official was quite taken aback at such a. A simple call in a in a blowout would get him so riled. Um, I think the other one was against London. It, well, we were in London for the Rebels, and <laughs> he'd been just winding everybody up. And there was lots of chatter back and forth. And in the end, he uh, he just got in a rook, and they 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 absolutely baited him. Again, he's going to deny this. He always denies this, but they baited him into. They knew they could get him ejected, and it worked. And I think. My final one, which was hilarious. Again, we'd, um, I mean, the thing is, like, the relationship between Coventry Jets, who you and I were playing for at the time, Marcus, and Leicester Eagles was always good because we'd, we'd it was only about 18 months since um, we'd, uh, we'd, we'd moved and we'd stayed in touch. We were good friends. Obviously, it was a game. I think, I think I'd say I'd always want Leicester to win every game, but if it was a, we only ever won one game a season, it'd be, would want to beat Leicester and that's just the way it works isn't it when you when you do that um but again it was the the context of the game we we were we were well up um and I think it was on the final final no it did turn out to be the final play because myself and uh Paddy managed the situation um James Pimperton picked the ball off um and and was going down the sideline and Shad Grabbed his shirt, could have grabbed his flag, but grabbed his shirt, pulled it over his head and threw him out of bounds. Um, <laughs> luckily, James, it was James Pimperton. Luckily, it, it, because he knew Shad and I was there enough, James was raging, obviously. But to his great, great credit, enormous credit to James, he, um, um, he, he was seeing red, but he showed great restraint and managed to walk away. Um, and at that point, I think there was only a few minutes left on the game. I think I offered to Paddy, that was a score. Paddy, uh, the coach of Leicester, accepted that. And then Paddy offered back, shall we call it a day there? Because, um, uh, yeah, who, the next play was going to be difficult. So, uh, yeah, so wonderful player. Maybe, you know, maybe he would need, he would be the one, him and Amy, uh, there to kind of... Uh, back each other up in the inevitable fight <laughs> but uh, yeah that's so that's fine that's my five starters i mean having luke and shad on on the same offensive team is is always a fun combination i mean both back at the raccoons now and now you've got meshack in there as well who is very very similar to shad in the the agility and everything else but and i'm i'm trying to remember if you were the coach at this point or if you were Anywhere near this one, the dosi do. Dosi do. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I, I can't remember if I was the coach or whether I was there to watch. I don't think I was the coach actually, um, playing for England against Wales, and um, uh, yeah, yeah, the dosi do play. Um, oh, I can't. Do you know what? I genuinely can't remember if I was the coach. No. But I remember um, the, the when that when it happened. Um, one of the Welsh lads saying that surely that's a penalty and the referee inquired what for and they said contact and it's like yeah but it's with each other and it was con- um, it was consensual if that's not the right word but it's a more fun word at, the, at that point um, but yeah 
yeah, the uh, the Dosi Do play was hilarious, where they they basically ran a crossing pattern, linked arms, and threw each other in the opposite direction. That's one of those plays that can just go horribly wrong. But on that day, both the Welsh defenders stood still and watched in amazement as they were uh, at what was uh, unfolding before them. I mean, if if they were to call a penalty, I'm not too sure how that would work. There's no. Would, would it be? an offensive penalty, but then the offense gained yards because it's against the offense. <laughs> yes. You could run the player four or five times and gain like five, like five yards each time. I think, yeah, yeah, because there was no contact made on anybody else, it was, um, it, it's fine. It's uh, an unusual, uh, an unusual play for sure. Um, but um, and maybe if, maybe we, uh, I can't remember who was officiating at the time, but um, be good to get uh, Jed or Martin's view on it. So we're going to move on to defence now. Um, we're, we're going to start at the front, if, if you have got a, a formation set. Oh, no. This band, uh, band of renegades, so they're not going to listen to any um, coaching. So who's your first defensive player? We'll put it that way. Um, we'll just go on the list. Then it's going to be Martin General, but he does need you there. Um, you know, Martin was a... Martin Gambrell, uh, obviously one of the uh, the Gambrell uh, dynasty, um, fastest, the fastest, uh, uh, probably the fastest straight line Gambrell. Who knows? Um, equally, probably the most injured. Um, it could be argued, um, but yeah, great fun on the, as you as you remember, great fun on the away trips. Fantastic DP, you know as well. Um, it would have been. It's a shame he didn't. He couldn't commit full time to the game but I'd love to have seen how much he'd have developed once he got his technique but his raw speed was it was incredible but I think I think um, I think for you and I it's a it's another toilet based scenario um, we've done the weighing into the um, sink one so this one is the other one um, we're coming back we've obviously been on an away trip we've all hydrated quite well <clears throat> um, and we're running into the toilets and let me get this right. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm going to go through this quite slowly. So Martin runs into trap one, shuts the door behind him. So, um, yeah, obviously we're all going for a, a, sit, a gentleman sit, sit down um, into trap two. He thinks I'm following, doesn't he? He thinks yes, I'm following um, and I am following quite behind me. But there's another gentleman goes into trap two. Then into trap three and four is you and I. <clears throat> trap two has obviously been had. Oh, that, yeah, that sound. <laughs> that trap two, you know, he's obviously been holding in some gas for a while and he thinks it's the perfect environment. And yes, ordinarily it is the perfect environment to let out that gas. So he, he trumps quite loudly. And Martin, quite appropriately, because he thinks it's me that's done it, roars, roars with laughter. Gives it a big old wee, and um, you know, obviously that sets you and I off because we we figured out what he's thinking. We figured out the whole thing that Martin thinks it's me that's made the noise, and and it's not. It's a poor, poor man in in trap two, and so Martin does a few other celebratory noises, and we obviously are, are quite uh, amused by it all. Um, Martin comes out of trap one. I come out of trap three. Do you come out of trap four? We we wash our hands. We 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 kind of 
we signaled to Martin, I believe, that you know we, he's realised what's happened. So he's he 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 retain he retains some decorum finally and doesn't make any more of it. But Trap Two just doesn't come out, and I I I get I get the sense, and maybe I'm kind of romancing this as I go, but even after we'd had our food and come back, Trap Two was still in there. That poor poor man, humiliated, um, in that moment. But um. Yeah, he's a good football player too, though. So um, we won't. But uh, yeah, that's the bit I remember. Uh, one of my favourite um, motorway service station moments. But he's a good football player too, as, as a DB. Yeah, I, I remember the story, but I remember vaguely differently. <laughs> it was a service station. We were at the the home ground of whatever team we were against that that game day. Oh, okay. And we, because I'm sure we were basically waiting for the rest. This was at Leicester Eagles. We were waiting for the rest of the team to arrive. So we sort of waited in the the area of the toilets and the reception area. Oh, okay. And so obviously, me, you, and uh, Martin were stood there for 15, 20 minutes waiting for the rest of the team to arrive. And still nobody came out of that toilet. But I do agree that this person was there for quite a while. I don't think I would come out myself. Actually, I'm not sure. I don't know. I think I don't know whether you're trying to waste the moment. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this may be the case. This may be the case. But yeah, much of that has gone down in legend, as you can as you as you can tell, because we both come up with different scenarios for it. So um, maybe we just embellish on it each time. Uh, so, for want of a better word, who who's your number two on defense? Hey, I like what you did there. Um, we've got oh Andre Clark. Defensive back, um, I think you've mentioned him in one of your teams. So um, I'm trying to think. So yeah, I, I think as a teammate, sincerely, you he was he was so good at firing you up and making you helping you believe in yourself um, that you would just be out. You felt like <laughs> I was going to say you felt, believe you could fly. That's a bit too. But you know, you'd run through walls for him because he, he just he just built you up so much. He was such the master motivator and the ultimate team guy. I learned so much from him on that. Um, what I didn't learn from him, um, I think, is is some of his uh, his preparation. Frequent. I mean, this is incredible because as a coach, he was such a stickler for um, um, timekeeping and and sort of uh, discipline. But um, he was the the probably the most uh, uh, poor poor timekeeper. That's not even good England, is it? But still, he was, he was the worst timekeeper I think I have known. And that goes some with the uh, present company, Mr. Marcus Gambrell. But yeah, Andre was worse than you at that point. Um, and I remember traveling to, it was the 2003 finals at the 9 on 9. And, uh, you know, I, was, I, I remember traveling up with Jeff Brown. And, and obviously, Jeff was a very good friend of, my, uh, of Andre's. And was like, and we, we basically planned, both we've been talking to each other throughout the week, like we've got to get Andre there, we've got to get Andre there. And we we basically kind of lost contact with him 24 hours before the game. Uh, to be fair, Andre was a very, very busy man. He was working at, I think it was Jongler's nightclub. So he had to work late nights often. Um, but basically, yeah, so we, 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 we would arrive at the pitch, no Andre. We'd arrived, sorry, arrived at the, at, the, at the ground, no Andre. We got changed, no Andre. So we thought, okay, we'll just go for a kind of, Pre-game walk around the field, just check the, you know, check what the state of the field's like. Um, <laughs> standard uh, Brit ball stuff. Make sure there's no dog poo. Um, and then there was, 
you know, we're coming up to it. And then we saw on the pitch, it's like, oh my gosh, what's that? Some rubbish on the pitch. Um, we better go and move that. I hope it's not, you know, anything too, <laughs> too nasty. And um, as we're getting closer, it's like, oh my God, I think it's a person. It's like, oh my God, this is going to ruin our game. There's a dead body. We're going to have to cancel the final. Um, it was Andre Clark. He'd been, he was asleep in the middle of the field. Um, he'd obviously been picking up the vibes that we'd be giving him grief about, um, uh, you know, being late. Um, and so what he'd basically done was leave work at 2 a.m., to be fair to him, um, made his court, caught some kind of train from Leicester to, I don't know how he got there, but obviously he didn't. He had some friends in Cambridge, but they were all flag football players for the uh, our opponents that day, uh, the Fen Harriers. So I guess he couldn't feel like he could, um, uh, you know, go and uh, shack up with them for the day. So yeah, he'd um, arrived in the early hours of the morning and, and slept on the field. Um, so he was actually the first one there. So the laugh is on myself and Jeff for for doubting him. Oh, that's that's dedication to to the sport. That is. Yes. Yeah. And to be fair, he played lights out that day. He was incredible. Um, so um, dedication, yes. So your third defensive player, who have we got? Uh, I'm going on, uh, literally, I'm just going through my list here. I've got Rich Manning to play at the Blitz. Um, I think, I think, I mean, credit to him he was a tackle player he was always a tackle player and he i think through injury he had he was forced to play uh, a flag he had to put the way that and but he was a defensive end uh in tackle and when we switched to flag uh, out of all the players on the eagles i thought wouldn't want when we switched to five and five sorry non-contact he was the one i thought would be the first to to leave the team but he just basically kind of uh, redesigned himself, rebooted himself and became a blitzer. He used these incredible explosive speed, um, really adapted well to the flag game and adapted his temperament as well. Um, you know, he was, uh, uh, but not, didn't lose any, anything of his edge, um, but he just, he, he just didn't use his physicality or what physicality he did use. He kept it within the rules of the game. Um, um, I mean, just a lovely guy. I'm still in touch with him. He's, he, you know, I absolutely adore him. He's just uh, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet off the field. Uh, uh, um, an absolute maniac on it, as, as you know. Um, um, I mean, but he was always one of the reasons I could be so chatty on the field. And, uh, you know, I don't mind telling people now, if I was talking to an opponent, I would certainly always make sure, you know, I was lined up on the same side as Rich uh, Manning. And I would always make sure that Rich was in between me and the opponent. You know, suddenly how brave I became um, uh, when Rich was uh, in between me and the opponent. Um, but I think one of my favourite ones was, um, I think two of the favourite things, that, yeah, two, yes, two. I'll go with uh, one of the one of my favourite put-downs. Um, I think he was, he was just given, uh, I mean, this is back in the nine-on-nine nine days, he was given a, a, an outside, uh, a, a tackle, offensive tackle, an absolute, nightmare and he just complained this guy was complaining all the time and he just uh, and you know he's about rich's kind of physicality and everything and rich rich's line was i'll just go and play chess why don't you um you're not cut out for football um which i like that one and actually luke used that one when he was about eight on somebody as well so we had to just uh, you know he'd obviously heard rich say that and and so uh, i think it was uh 
we have to remind Luke when you know that's not the kind of thing we say, but Rich does. But yeah, never mind. Uh, important life lesson for us all. And my other favourite one was he was a great fan of Tiger Balm. If uh, if, if, if you've ever, if you, do you know what that is, Marcus? I am. Well, I'm only familiar through it through Rich. Yeah, yeah, and he was a great fan of Tiger Balm. That was his, you know, that was his uh, pre-game part of his pre-game pre-game routine. And on more than one occasion, which which makes me wonder what he would forget to wash his hands um, yes. after applying the Tiger Balm. But he'd always have an amazing game. I think the worst one. I mean, obviously there was the obvious one where we, where he he, he had a uh, he rubbed his eye. And that was quite evident. But the other one was when he went to the toilet <laughs> and um, the, the, the squeal, <laughs> the squeal for such a big ass man um, was, was quite was quite terrifying. Um, but, yeah, I think he did have his the best game ever that day. Um, but, um, you know, that's a don't try it this at home kids moment. Um, so, um, yeah, Good. fun. I mean, I'm I'm hoping I'm not going to to preempt one of your your next players, but having Rich Manning in in a locker room was an interesting thing. Then you stick his his brother in there as well. Yes, I'm hoping I haven't stolen one of your next players, but no, no, I did, I did, I think just uh, Rich kind of pipped Chris on that one. But I mean, it, the, the the rookie mistake I made was when I used to uh, when I started with the Eagles, and there was always a space. There was always one space, and it was in between Chris and Rich. And the I'd never seen. Oh, there, there's two things they they used to be able to recite. It felt like the whole program, and it, one was South Park, and the other was uh, I think it was Harry Hill's TV Burp or something. And they would just recite the whole thing that they'd seen the, the week before. And I'd be in the middle of it, and it was just the surrealist thing. And now, and then that's when I learned why there was that space in between them. Um, it used to make my head spin. But equally, it took my—you know—any pregame nerves was soon put to um, put to bed because um, you know that that kind of banter. Yeah, that was an incredible kind of memory recall. Um, but you know, was it the fascia as well? I was a little bit more familiar with the fast show, so I could I could kind of vibe in with that and you know take take the uh, the third role. I was usually the the stooge in the uh, the suit you guys, and that got a bit scary. Um, so um, yeah, uh, very very surreal times. I, it was almost like if anybody, well, I mean, there wasn't many people who would have been stuck in your your position of sat in between them. But the easiest way to replicate a, a at Leicester Eagles locker room at that point, if you get three different devices and put on, put on Fast Show highlights, South Park highlights, and Harry Hill highlights, and press play at the same time, that's yes. what it was like. And it was even the speed of those two was like, on and off the field with that bit was, it was incredible. Yeah, maybe that's how they wound each other up, kind of uh, just uh, getting that kinetic energy built up. Because, um, yeah, it, my head was spinning the first, the first few away games. I uh, really, like, I really didn't know what was happening. So fourth position on D. Okay. Who have we got? Okay, um, I'm gonna go with um, Jason Gillespie um, from Great Britain uh, Youth. Um, however, I do there. Um, and you'll understand why as I go into this. I mean, they were both 
great characters, hilarious characters. Steve, Jason Gillespie was one of the best pure DBs I'd ever seen. Um, I, because he was because he was a Scottish player, I never got to follow his career much after that. But obviously, he was a picked for Great Britain. We won the European Championship 2003, and he was an absolute. Um, you know, mammoth part of it. Stephen Jandrea was also part of it. Um, uh, Stephen was more of an offensive player, but also played safety. I think Stephen was the MVP in the final, actually. Um, but the reason the reason I needed Stephen uh, Stephen uh, was um, uh, to I wouldn't say translate, but Jason had a very very broad Glasgow accent. Uh, Stephen was from Steve was uh, from. Uh, Glasgow as well but um, I could understand Steve but I used to have to get sometimes Steve, Jason would talk to me and I think the kid, one of the things to note here is in those days you didn't get practice with him so I barely knew Jason um, you basically I, I would see him as a GB coach I would see him uh, on the Saturday for the trials the Sunday for the install and then the next time I met him was at the uh, airport you know, we didn't get a lot of time with with the players, so a lot of the stuff. And this was before internet as well, obviously. So, a lot of things was were done very remotely. Um, so I didn't, yeah, you didn't really get the time to uh, learn his accent, and it was probably the strongest of them. Um, and so um, I, I think the thing. So I, I'll I'll test you here. I mean, the first one is obviously trousers. That was is that quite easy for you? Yeah. You yeah, yeah, trousers. trousers. Yeah. Um, uh, jacket. Jacket. Yeah, good one. And and I suppose the other one, uh, another easy one, was Hans. Hans. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you know, it to me it was more than an accent. It was it it was another language. Um, uh, but you know, I, I think one. But I used to re frequently need to have. Um, Steve there to kind of tra- translate for me or Bongo as he was it, Steve would often say coach can you call me Bongo I still don't know for the reason today why he, he asked me to call uh, call him that but so that was that was his name call me Bongo um, again that's the character of the lad um, uh, the other one with 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 Jason it was um, I, I mean he, he introduced me to the game of yellow car do you, do you know it Vaguely, I'm so, thinking we're on the minibus going through going through Bologna, and he sees a yellow car, and he punches me in the shoulder and says, "Yellow car," and I, this was new to me, and <laughs> and I just left it there. But then he sees another one, he says, "Yellow car." I said, "Jason, can you stop that?" Because he's he was a, you know he's 15, but strong lad, and he said, "Oh yeah, sorry, coach, sorry, coach, I, I shouldn't do that, sorry." And then he does it again, another yellow car. And, he, and I said, Jason, I'm a coach. This is, this is not the way we act. You know, if you want to do that with your mates, he said, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, and um, yeah, and that, that was it. He just could not help himself. And um, it did become a running joke because it, I think towards the end of the, the week, although my arm, my arm was then yellow, blue and green, um, he just couldn't bring himself. He just didn't get... And it was, it was quite an, an interesting kind of... Uh, uh, lesson in in why we what certain what standards we expect of 14 year old lads who've only uh only ever had to play yellow car and sat on the bus with with other other kids so um but yeah uh, probably i it would be inter- i would love to have seen him you know we are on the other side we had um jason malik 
Uh, I don't know if you ever got to play against Jay. Yeah, I don't think so. Incredible DBs, incredible DBs. Um, coached by uh, Ian Nicholson at GB. Um, but their footwork on both of them was just incredible. Speed to burn, quickness, um, athleticism. Um, I, I think uh, they were probably, you know, one of the key things that we had going for us. But um, yeah, communicating. Uh, you know, I'm glad Jason was on. Uh, was the uh, was a defensive player because I think we, you know, trying to <laughs> communicate. To be fair to Jason, he couldn't understand a word I was saying. Um, so. Um, you know that was why we needed Steve uh, in the in between us to kind of uh, translate. But um, yeah, thankfully it wasn't on the field of play, um, or else we could have uh, burnt quite a few timeouts just um, you know on very essential things. I mean, I'm, from a personal point of view, I th- I do find it weird that you know, you're the one suffering that needs a translator, but I'm the one who normally gets the the, uh, the translation jokes aimed at me. <laughs> and, and, well, I'd say any member of the family would probably be jumping in with a, an espresso joke right now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not the only one who's ever suffered with translations. Yeah. Yeah, what can we do? Yeah. Moving on, I think. Yeah, so you've got one defensive position left. It's amazing. Actually, I, I didn't know I'd. I'm, I'm allowed a. I'm, I'm allowed a head coach in offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, aren't I? Apparently so. Yes. Brilliant. Excellent. So your last defensive player then. Wow. Who are we going for? Um, Shannon Prue. Um, it's a shame. I, I think. Um, uh, Pod would have known her, I'm sure. She was Coventry Jets youth, uh, won uh, at least one national title. I think it was one national title. Um, uh, but Shannon, Shannon was one of those players, always had a smile on her face. And actually, no, she never had a smile on her face. She was always laughing. It was everything was fun. She was, she was the one that that, that just kept the spirits up. Um, incredible player, blinded by some knee injury uh, as well. But her dedication was incredible. Um, uh, she was. Things happened to her as well. You know, she, if there was something was going to happen, if someone, if something was going to fall on someone, it would fall on her, even if she hadn't touched it. Um, but yeah, just one of those effervescent characters. Just um, everything was funny. Uh, trained hard though to be fair to her you know she knew when to switch it off uh, trained you know was always up for extra training would always come to the to the additional training sessions midweek worked really hard um, but was kind of the so much energy to burn um, the, the frightening one was um, stopping at uh, uh, a service station on the way to a final um, and decided to run up the wrong way you know, everyone else was like quite nervous and, and in themselves and was, um, you know, obviously quite, uh, <laughs> well, just taking the obvious precautions, but Shannon decided to run the wrong way up a, um, a slide and the slide was slippy. Shannon slips and hurt her ankle quite badly, um, um, but still played, <laughs> still won a championship. Um, but that was the that was the kind. But you know, you always need those characters. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the way I would I would characterise her. Uh, it wasn't that she always had a smile on her face. She was always always laughing, um, and just uh, uh, it was quite infectious. So, um, but a great player too. Um, 
So uh, I'll probably stick her at linebacker. If, are we on defense? Yes. Uh, she'll probably be defense. the linebacker. Yeah. On the, uh, but actually, uh, it was interesting, sort of, um, probably the, one of the most gifted catchers. Uh, she was, uh, it wasn't always perfect technique, but she re- worked really hard on the technique. But um, for the extra point, she was almost uh, guaranteed, if you if you put it there, um, you know, the, the high percentage catches she would always catch, which were, especially at youth level, that's, uh, that was quite a, 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 quite a, a gift that she had. Um, yeah, like I say, a shame that she, uh, she had a quite a, a, a chronic knee injury, I don't think, and um, it, she wasn't able to c- continue. Um, a lot of I was speaking to her the other week, and I think she's, she's keen to come back. So uh, uh, hopefully she's listening and she'll think, Oh, yeah, I should go back and run up slides. Or maybe not run up slides this time, eh, Shannon? So I'm, I'm going to give you one substitute, and I'm not too sure if you're going to, if you're going to struggle picking one. After I, I did see your list of players, and then oh, you, okay. you, sent, you sent me a list afterwards. Like, here's my list of players. Well, okay. I, suppose, I suppose in a way you've got, you've got Bongo, <laughs> and you've got uh, yourself. Because um, some people come, come as a pair, don't they? You know, Martin, uh, without you, is probably isn't as funny. Um, Jason, I wouldn't have, you know, I don't know where we'd be. Um, you know, Bongo was funny enough as himself. He was a proper character. So I think I'm okay with the, with the, with the, uh, the 11th man because there's two of them. Um, oh, and yeah, we also had Chris there as well, just to put the stereo effects of um, uh, famous comedy shows rerun. I'm not too sure how you could work this on the field as, as Rich Manning lines up with Chris Manning as well. And he said, go, that's six men on defense. You go, no, these two are just one. So it doesn't <laughs> count. No, they'd be on the sideline. I wouldn't cheat. I wouldn't cheat. Um, <laughs> I don't know why it's funny. It's not funny, but he, 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 could, he would burp and shout hello to the opponents as well. That's childish though, isn't it? But even though, okay, I think I was a child at that point, or near enough to a child, it was fine for me. It's hilarious for me. I was, an, I was a fully grown, well, yeah, fully grown adult, and I still find it hilarious now. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether you count that as as trash talk because he was being insane. Hello, it was probably quite offensive. Some of the gases that were coming out of his mouth, but. Um, Sorry. So, so your, so, your extra sorry. players or coaches and everything else that you've picked? Yes. Yeah, so um, let's work. Uh, do you want head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator? And, you know, which one do you want? We'll, we'll go offensive coordinator first. Um, okay. Mick Smith. Um, do you know what? They come as a pair to me, actually. Um, so I'm going to go with Mick Smith on offense, offensive coordinator and Phil Gaden as defensive coordinator. Um I mean, the thing that the first thing that these two taught me was how you do when you when you're running a, a, a an elite team, um, you do need to be on the same page um, and sort of um, on a on a kind of a, and a, a, you know a, not so much on, on. I was happy to let them run the offense and the defense as they wanted. They I I hired them as who I thought were the best that there were. I wasn't going to interfere with what they said. So um, I was very much a CEO as much as a head coach at GB. Um, um, but, uh, you know, they, when you're on the same page, kind of on, a, on a, uh, a, an ethical, an approach, um, I think that's, that makes things, the, the, the whole machine run smoothly. Uh, and, um, 
you, you know, and I think, you know, there's a lot, there's lots of decisions to be made, lots of, and that, to have those kind of guys there that were, you know, would always be looking about doing the right thing the right way. Um, and, and, and as you know, Marcus, you're, as, as an individual, you always try and do the things the right way. But when uh, victory is, is, is on, one, on one side of that dilemma, it's, you do need people to hold you into check and to hold you accountable for your decisions. Um, and Phil and Mick were the kind of guys, and obviously Phil was a, uh, a doctor of philosophy, so we, you know, uh, as a, with the, the moral and ethical side, you know, you're going to get um, someone who's well versed in kind of um, discussing that. So, but equally, just such great friends. Uh, I'm still in touch with them uh, on a regular basis. Um, um, but yeah, equally, fantastic coaches. But I think I think it's what they brought to the kind of the the cerebral part of the game and making sure that um, you were doing the the right thing the right way in, in all the time. And I think that's the one thing I'm always always proud of. We always try to and strive to do things the right way and and and, and be what GB should be. Um, you know, and I think victory through harmony is uh, is 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 the only way. And you know, you don't want to leave anyone behind and as Bruce Springsteen said uh, nobody wins unless everybody wins and I think they were the ones that helped me kind of always strive for that whether we got that way I don't know but we were always always striving for that Stacey there's your, your coaching assistants you, you said a head coach as well Who yeah are going for? Um, again one that you've uh, I think you and Pod have always talked about as well it's Neil Balthazar um, I could have picked him as a quarterback and yes, he was an incredible quarterback, but I think the thing for me as a head coach, um, that's where he, he's, his impact on me personally was the, was, was the strongest. Um, I, I think the, I mean, the thing that st- stays out for me and it's quite an essential piece and something I learned, uh, what I was used to was running a route, <laughs> dropping the ball getting some coaching and going back to the, back to the, the, the you know, into the queue for the next bit. Um, uh, what, what Neil taught me and, and with David Sonny as well was in that thing with Neil would say, come back and do it again and do this. Um, and that would happen with great frequency as you possibly recall. Um, catching the ball was not something that came natural to me. It was technique uh, was the thing that I really had to rely on. Um, and at first I thought he was just picking on me and it was just my worst nightmare to go and have to drop that ball four or five times over. Uh, and there was, a, you know, there was a moment where I thought this is just, this is just bullying. Um, but what I realized is he was really sincere and he wanted me and he wasn't going to give up on me. Uh, and he really sincerely believed in me and he showed that by saying, let's do it again, let's do it again. Um, and, and, you know, and he would, you know, this is what you're doing right. This is what you're doing wrong. And, um, you know, it was just that don't give up, uh, you know, don't just send them to the back of the queue. If you can see that they can, they need those reps. Um, and there's a, there's a million other stories about, you know, how, how his head coaching was just so inspirational and just such a lovely guy as well, uh, both him and Dave Sonny. But that was the moment that always stuck with me that, that really early on when we first met him, I barely knew him. Um, but he invested so much time in me and, uh, it, it did pay dividends, um, you know, I, I was I certainly wasn't um, uh, Sterling Sharp or, uh, or or Grace Conway, 
uh, in my ability to catch, but I certainly improved on him and I certainly improved on my um, uh, my belief in myself. Um, so, um, yeah, and that's what I, le- I learned from them. I learned so much from that moment, those moments, um, and they stayed with me and I, I still kind of do that now. Don't give up on players. I mean, I, I would definitely agree with the coaching side of it because... I think I, I played quarterback for quite a few years at Leicester, but I never really had another quarterback to coach me. Yeah. And I, I was always coached by, I mean, like you coached me and Paddy and people like that, but they were, they were never quarterbacks. Neil, I think Neil was the first quarterback that actually coached me. And in, in like a testament to that side. So at the Raccoons, obviously we all have our own <laughs> personal hashtags on our jersey for each one. So... Yeah, everyone's got something that is personal to them on their jersey, and mine is 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 don't lean back, yes, which I is something that. that I still like. I still when when I when I hear it or when I read it, I don't read it in in my voice. I hear it yeah. in in this in Neil's accent coming through, and <laughs> it was something that yeah I would hear like like so you you would have to run the route three or four times to to. I, I would hear that three or four times in that one drill. Just go, don't lean back. I'm like, okay, that's fine now. And then like two, two like throws later on is ah, you're leaning back. Don't lean back. I'm like, okay, we're back to this again. Yeah, and I remember, yeah, because we um, obviously he went back home to Canada, and um, the next season, we we'd actually sort of grown that the 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 rest of your teammates had grown to recognise what he was seeing, and so obviously again. Um, his legacy was the don't lean back because we would say, you know, we would recognize when you were doing it because uh, I kind of, we were drilled into into it as well. It's a bit uh, Pavlovian slightly as uh, we'd see, you'd see, see you start to lean back and before we'd even realized it. I don't think we did the uh, Canadian accent, hopefully not. Um, but it was, um, yeah, uh, it stayed with us in that way. And yeah, he, he believed in you and he didn't give up on you and rather than just say oh for god's sake he's leaned back and mutter off into himself he would uh he would stick with it so uh, amazing patience i think is uh is what he had even though he maybe at sometimes he did sound impatient <laughs> so there's your team have you got anyone else to add to your your team as we're ignoring all the rules at the moment to be any, fair, any honorable mentions to be fair my 10-man roster went up to about 15 so um 15 no. as well so yes, uh, no. I think I think I've taken many a liberty. So uh, uh, no, um, and and whether we win games or not, I don't know. But practice and the um, uh, the bus journeys are going to be hella fun. And uh, I think that's one of the key things that we do this for. Is is this, obviously winning stuff is brilliant, and 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 playing is fantastic. But. Um, those long, long, long journeys are made so much more uh, bearable when you've got uh, a wacky, uh, a wacky bunch of teammates. Actually, um, man, I wish I could do that. Actually, I, I would, uh, I would find a go on the Orient Express with that, <laughs> that, that, that bunch just to see how it got. I'd probably regret it after about uh, half a mile, but um, yeah, that would be a journey and a half. I mean, it's something that I. I think a lot of the players don't see as much nowadays. So playing, if you play flag now, your league is very area based, it's very, very regional. So like if you look at Coventry now, I think there's, there's about 15 teams in Coventry 
or the local area. When we were playing, it was it was wooden. It was yeah, you're, you're, yeah. Your away game, the travel for the away games was was longer than your actual playing on the field. So to to have that that group of people that you don't mind spending the time with, or it flies a little bit quicker, is is a, a big thing. I think I think when you look at like the squads that people who've been playing longer have chosen, they do seem to go more towards the. I'm I'm thinking of the car journey as well. Mm. To be fair, I think um, in the in the Opal series or the Women's Flag Football League, it's still the case. Certainly for people like uh, East Kilbride, um, they've got they must they probably uh, chalk up similar, if not if not if not lengthier journeys than we're used to. Um, it's getting better for them, um, but you know they've got I think they've got a, a local rival. Um, but um, they, they they do a lot of travelling still. But yeah, even the Black Widows, um, I think South Wales South Wales Harpies would have quite a few distances. I know Iceni have quite a, a distance to travel. But yeah, I know what you mean. In the in the men's in the mixed league, it's uh, it's a lot less. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of quite liked the uh, the whole travel part of it. I must admit. So there's your team, all done and dusted. For the next segment, any, any new? I know it's going to be a difficult one with the the fact that flag football is cancelled around the country and things like that. But do you have any news that you wish to discuss with with the the outside world? <laughs> no, no news. The sad news is there's no news. There's no football. Um, well, they're saying that you can't say there's no football. There's Sport Monda that you were yes, that was... my roving reporter for. I was about roving from from my kitchen to the uh, to the, to the uh, library. Um, no, um, yeah, that was that was, that was like, wow, 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 exciting. That was just really cool that we got Benny on the night before, and he was uh, quite resigned to uh, not getting anywhere, and ended up um, winning the whole damn thing. Um, so yeah, that was quite fortuitous that we um, uh, that that he came on. Um, I just remember on the first day, it was like. I'd asked him for the interview and he reluctantly asked me. And then on the, obviously when they win the final, he was, he was tapping me up saying, can we do, can we do another interview, please? Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Maybe Europe is the answer for a while. I don't know. It's, it's such a, a difficult time. I think we're hoping to go, Black Widows are hoping to go King Bowl. Um, and, you know, we've, we're certainly looking at plans, but um, we're at the mercy of, uh, of um, many many higher powers uh in in many many levels so um uh yeah i don't think i think it is just looking towards um scandinavia and what, watching what they're doing really um yeah unfortunate are you looking for a special gift for someone are you looking for an award for your end of season awards? Are you the chairman of the best UK five on five flag league based in Northampton started in 2015 and need trophies? Then look no further than crafty signs, bespoke trophies, key rings, medals, wall signs. They do them all. Check them out on Instagram at crafty sign trophy and on Facebook at crafty sign shop. So the other one we've got, obviously we're continuing our theme of questions from the previous person. 
So you've got the the double header here because you had Andrew Cooper and Dale Davis on the previous episode. Okay. So we're going to go with Dale Davis's question first. Okay. With, with stats, I know stats is a thing that sort of splits the the country at the moment on should they be recorded and does anybody care about stats? <laughs> you, you may feel slightly different as as when going back to your your defensive back days, bat downs. Should should they be stat tracked? Um, if possible, yes, of course, of course. Um, again, that was that was one of Andre Clark's favourite ones. If I if I dropped a pick, he'd just shout, "Good bat down!" <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, I meant that. You know, the old two handed, the old two handed bat down on second down. Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, if it was possible, I mean, as a defensive back, well, anyone on defence, it, it's a key thing. It's a key thing. And some, I mean, most, a lot of pickoffs are kind of the ones when they're just thrown at you. It's not, it's not always, you know, you, you, you're on an errant pass, really, is where, but whereas a bat down, um, it's often the case that you think, if I don't get, you know, if I don't get to this, it's going to be a completion. So you could say that it's a harder thing to to be to to achieve sometimes is is the bat down or is more 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 important because of that because of um, you know many interceptions it's I don't know I'm sure there's a good percentage where you've got your positioning okay or even if you haven't and the ball's thrown out I mean I've had many a pick where I've absolutely been roasted by the uh, wide receiver and the uh, QBs and have thrown it and it's gone straight into my hands and I think that's just a that's kind of a, a little bit unfortunate on the receiver and uh, uh, great fortune on my part to be playing so poorly and yet actually have a key stat. Um, but yeah, back downs, definitely, definitely. And then the other one we've got, and this is something that you can look at from a player's point of view and possibly the, the coaches as well. How difficult is it to transition from kitted to flag and vice versa? Obviously, you've done one yourself. And obviously, you, and a lot of the you see, I see some of the Black Widows are going the other way. Yeah, I don't think it's that difficult. I think there's a degree of intelligence either way will get you there. I suppose. I suppose that the broader question is it depends. The contextual question, should I say, is about the the individual. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm sure there's some people who are. Uh, you know, just not built for tackle. I think, you know, I think we've got to be uh, be right. I mean, I struggled with the, the mindset for tackle. I think that wasn't wasn't really what I wanted. Um, so, um, um, but I think, yeah, I mean, certainly we had a load of tackle players come across from the Black to the Black Widows uh, over the time and there's been no issues. I think in the early days, I think Andre Clark used to struggle. Um but um, but that was more um, um, <laughs> probably just more about Andre uh, than it was. But uh, you know, sort of um, we had Ollie and Lil come over last year. Ruth Ruth Lewis has, has transitioned between the two. Um, I don't think it's. I think sometimes it's a bit of an excuse when uh, a tackle player um, uh, breaks a, flat, a, a rule by imply using sort of a tackle kind of attitude. Uh, I, I I don't buy into that. I, I don't buy into that. Uh, I think there was a, a one point people would give them a free, sh- you know, one, or you can do that once, but you're not getting away with it. If I was officiating, it would be, uh, you know, these are the rules 
So, but I don't think anyone really struggles with it. Um, coming from tackle into flag, um, you know, it's, uh, I suppose, you know, interestingly, as, as we noted before, when, um, you know, people like Paddy and Martin, who were, were defenders uh, or, or, off, or linemen, should I say, and they had really, you know, Martin and Paddy were, were really good tackle flag players. Obviously, Paddy didn't have a great deal of run after the catch. Um, but and they they adapted. Rich adapted from tackle to nines to flat five on five. And you know, as a as a tackle player, uh, you know he was an absolute animal. Um, and um, uh, you know, and he, he adapted every time. So um, again, I think the contextual element from going up from tap from not going along from tackle from flag sorry to tackle. You need a certain amount of physicality. You do need amount. You know, you do need a certain amount. But I guess I don't know enough about tackle to say whether how how you could do. So um, obviously, I've seen some of the uh, elite level tackle players who you know, and that that is um, you know, within, if you're not in the right physical shape for tackle, you're going to get hurt. Um, um, but um, whether what what it's like at Division Two, I don't I don't know. Um, I know I know there is a, a standard drop, obviously, but um, I think the contextual element is there. But um, so there's no single answer. I think it's a broad one. But uh, hopefully, I've fudged that enough. So the one thing I do think that may happen in in the next coming years. Obviously, we've got the the World Games. Indeed. Uh, we'll be hosting the the NFL flag football side of it, and I, I do wonder if that's going to be a massive jump for flag. If a lot more, say, like university or kitted players may look at it and go, yeah, there's a, a big big chance for like a, a GB call up or an international call up, mm-hmm. extra things, extra games to play, and I think that may be the uh, the big step up that the flag may is, is sort of looking for. Because obviously a lot, a lot of people see uh, this. I'm not going to say this in every every single person, but a lot of see it as the the little brother of kitted. When, when you speak to some of the kitted players, they it's all you know they, they've turned up and just gone. I oh, say so it's only flag. We'll just turn up for little bits of it, and we're not too bothered. But having a, a an Olympic standard in a way is going to be, I think, the the big step that it's it's looking for really. Oh, it's huge! Yeah, it's huge. I'm, uh, I'm massively excited. As uh, GB just seems to be hitting its stride now in the in the women's game. I'm not so sure about the men's game, but um, yeah, uh, it, it, it's not something we necessarily even dreamed of, really, when we were first, uh, you know, touting the idea of a, a women's game. But um, that would be incredible. Um, and I just, it would be, it'd be lovely. And uh, it, um, uh, you know, uh, but I would hope to see people that, like Millie Barrett who massively deserve it for all the effort she's put in um, and all her gifts and her flag now. Uh, I'd love to see her go to the Olympics. Um, that would be incredible. Um, yeah, massively excited. I think yeah, it'd be interesting to see sort of what legacy um, uh, that would leave with the game in this country and the world. I think the only thing I was disappointed with is when I, when I first saw the video <coughs> coming out saying, NFL was going to the world game, or the flag football was going to the world games, and I was watching it on my phone. Obviously, it's a smaller screen, and it came up to saying Birmingham, <laughs> and I was like, "This is brilliant!" I'm, you know, I'm taking the week off, but we're just going down the road. And then I watched it again, and I was like, 
Oh, Birmingham, Alabama. Okay, maybe I should cancel that holiday that I've got booked. It gets quite hot there, doesn't it? I mean, when, yeah. when what's the average temperature in uh, in uh, in, uh, in that uh, that state? I think it's. Uh, um, I think the words "very hot" are the only ones that, or too hot. Yeah, I, I. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, let's have a look. Alabama temperature today, twenty-one degrees. Oh, that's I could put up with that. That's yeah, what okay. time is it there? I think that was the average today. That's at three o'clock. It's awesome. three o'clock there right now. I think if I'm reading this rightly, I've never actually used this app before, but there you go. Um, I'm trying to think put... when the World Games are. I think they're... Usually, would it be the summer? Oh, I hope not. That would be... Yeah, the average temperature in September is 29 degrees. Oh, no. No, that's all right. It's all right. The record temperature is 37. Ooh. Um, oh, actually, what's that happening? Yeah, it, it does get quite hot in July. July is the hottest month, and it's 32 degrees. Oh, I'm, I'm glad think... you've got it in, in that one. I've got it in Fahrenheit, and it looked at... 21, um, is it in Fahrenheit? No, June, July, I've got it down as 90 and 92. Oh, it probably feels like that, even in centigrade, for an English boy over there, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just be melting. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, oh, actually, interestingly, in January, it does go as low as one degree as the lowest temperature. So, uh, I mean, I, I was struggling okay. with, with, with Germany <laughs> when, we went, when we went to Big Bowl, <laughs> which, again, it as I've said, fairly warm. As I've said before, anybody, if you ever get any chance to go to, to Big Bowl, definitely go to it. Oh, God, yeah, it's an incredible tournament, incredible tournament. And, and amazingly well run. I mean, I was there just as a coach and just to, yeah, when, when you're not coaching, you can just sit there or not playing, you can just sit there and watch six games of flag football at the same time. If you sit in the right place, you just sit there and spin round. Yeah, <laughs> spin round. Well, you can sort of rotate slowly. You don't have to spin very, very, very oh, I see what you mean, yeah. I was going to say, I just wouldn't be able to see anything after a while. So the only thing we've got left for you now is mm -hmm. your... What is your question for the next guest? I've got two guests lined up, and it's just a case of which one comes on first. We'll get your question. Yeah. Um, oh, okay, so, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I don't know where this would go with. I'll, I'll, I'll give you two or three. I think one is uh, what rule would you change? If you could change one rule, <clears throat> what rule would you change? Um um, and I guess if, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I know we've got two quite, um, quite clever chaps coming along. So I would say, if you could trial a new style of offense uh, for a season, what would it be? Uh, like really experimental. So um, you know, winning. You, you know, winning's not winning's not the issue. You can just be. You know, maybe that's what your, your, your millionaire owner has told you. I just want you to experiment and find the new offense. And you've got to kind of experiment. What would you go with? You might we want to give know. them that before that. <laughs> we, we all know what the, the best offense would be, and that would just be the wishbone offense. <laughs> that's back to the future. That is, that's, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, no. 
that was that that lies firmly in the past i'm afraid um i don't think it would last very long at all i think that the best thing i mean it was one of those ones that especially playing against the the more experienced teams it, it was quicker to fall apart mm. but obviously we went to a lot of like the nfl ran tournaments yeah. and you'd normally have like a, a school team yeah that had, had played the game like once or twice in PE and that was it. And then they came up against, for want of a better word, like the pro teams, like it had been us and uh, Sheffield, I think was it the main one that we... Oh, yeah, that was Prudo, if you remember them. Um, yeah. Eastbourne and, Woodham. of course, Woodham, Woodham were, oh, thorn in my side. But could, could you imagine being the, the new school team that's, you know, it's your first ever game day and all of a sudden you go, you know, you've sort of played against the, the all the practice offenses and things you can, and then <laughs> new team comes up with you and it goes like, "This is the wishbone offense." You've got to stand there as a, as a coach, right? Yeah. As a player, just look at it and go, "What do we do?" Yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd get two or three free plays because the first three, the first series, they the the the, off, the defense wouldn't know what to line up. They'd used to seeing a spread or a a single back, and all of a sudden it was three running backs, and they didn't have a clue. So yeah, you'd get two or three free plays uh, on that. I mean, interesting, with the wishbone, I only put it in, really, for the cadets initially because, you know, cats, c- catching isn't great, um, but what they can do is run with it. So we just I, but had enormous success with it. Translated, put it into the juniors, and um, that went well, the youth and the seniors, and it just it, it just permeated. And then um, I, I, you know, it was a bit of a bold move, but when we went, went to, we took it to the GB and it was um, it, you know I had all these fantastic receivers and I was putting them in a running back and uh, they were a bit worried but um, I think I, it's, it's interesting what I've, I've got I've got the um, the, the tape of the uh, the 2003 tournament and we're running the ball about 60 60 70 percent of the time and you know it's one of those things you, you you've kept on a member sort of my assistant coach is saying you need to stop doing this. They're going to figure it out. And I said, as soon as they figure it out, I'll stop. Um, but I remember there was, uh, you know, the first game against Russia. And, uh, you know, we did, you know, there, there was about four or five variations from the, from within that, within that, within four or five plays from that formation. And we barely got past the first two against Russia. Um, and um, we, we were, I think it was only in the final kind of, literally in the final minutes of the of the second half where they started limiting us to 10 yards. It was, it was a bit upsetting really that they hadn't figured it out. Um, but um, yeah, it, it was literally meant just to say, well, it's, let's not upset the cadets because they keep dropping the ball. Uh, let's get the ball in everybody's hand. It's a great kind of that. But um, yeah, with all the misdirection, it really, it really did fool people. And like you say, if they hadn't practiced against it, it was only after four or five years when people had started being practicing against it. Uh, um that they'd kind of figured out how to beat it but um even then we kind of went to a next level where um you know if we you know we i think the, f- the first thing they do is if they saw a handoff they, or a fake handoff the, the linebacker knew they could just step into the backfield and start taking all the flags so i remember what what you would do then would just hold the ball right up high as a qb and drop back and we would get a penalty every time because the linebacker would say i can do this they're going to hand it off or fake handoff and they'd still step into the backfield, even though you hadn't, because it was, remember it was like it was like, no, don't just not hand it off, but be demonstrably 
do not fake the handoff. And so you would have the ball right up by your ears, which is a great technique anyway. Um, so that the ref- And we'd have to tell, I remember actually even have to tell the referee, listen, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> watch for this. Watch where the ball is. He's not going to fake hand. It's not going to be a fake handoff. It's going to be a straight drop back. And so we yeah, would get free plays from that. Where, where we'd get uh, um, uh, <laughs> linebackers wandering de- dazed and confused in the backfield because um, all the running backs are just scarpered. And you'd get a f- either either they'd sack you and you'd get the five yards or you'd get the free play because um, <laughs> there was a bewildered linebacker and, and totally uh, not sure what had happened because it wasn't how it had been drawn up on the uh, defensive schemes. So that, that was the best times, I think. So we have your team, we have your your offensive and defensive coordinators, we have your head coach, <laughs> translator. Yeah, we have comedy, translator, comedy, comedy straight man. <laughs> and then, and then obviously at the end, you just got Andre Clark who can book you in for a a night of comedy, <laughs> and probably end up walking out with some free football tickets as he always did. <laughs> He was friends with half of the Arsenal squad and Southampton squad, which was brilliant for us. It worked out perfectly. Yes, Robert Pirro scoring that winner at uh, St Mary's. I appreciate that. That was lovely. I know that wasn't so much fun for you. Well, see, were we were we Arsenal fans for that day? Yeah, if we were, weren't we? Well, I was always an Arsenal fan, obviously. Well, no, oh, you're, see, no, you're not no, we Arsenal fans, were you? No, no. So. Um, no, I had to say, oh, gosh, darn it, that Perez scored again. Ta! Damn you. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of uh, sitting with away fans occasionally, but we knew the drill. We knew the drill. Stay safe. Don't don't cheer. Um, but, yeah, it was a ticket, so... Uh, well. So there we go. Yes, that is your team. And so once again, Andrew, thank you for joining me. Thank, thank you. you. Going through your teams, the, the destroyer of teams, I think, as a may pick up as a hashtag. Making four teams fold before you've even started your flight career. <laughs> Listen, the Eagles lasted a long time and so did the Jets. Are so, the, are, uh, is the Eagles still going? No. Are the Jets still going? No. Is that Black six Widows are. Is that six teams? I, yeah, man alive, that's just cruel. The Black Widows are still going strong. Although you don't ask me how many players we've got, because obviously none. So you're currently one and six for teams. Team surviving is the better word. Yeah. Since you put it that way, I'm going to go to bed and cry now. Well, as you head off, I will thank you once again. Thank you. That wraps up this episode. Find us on Facebook at First and Fifteen Podcast. Give us a like to keep up with all of our shows. Also, check out our sponsor, Nuola, for all your customised sportswear supplies.